Good afternoon. Thank you for being back in your place. If you would stand, we'll get started with our service. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Good to be back in the Lord's house today. Jared, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? And join me sing to page 119 until the storm passes by.
All the secrets he has kept from her so long, they're finally known. Her big mistake, that one regret that haunts her to this day, it just won't fade. So many different stories we thought could not be redeemed. But it's against our darkest failures we start to see the beauty of the blood, the goodness of this grace, the mercy undeserved that could never be explained. Heaven's best take all the scars for the worst in all of us. That's the glory of the cross, the wonder of his love. That's the beauty of the blood. What a thought. Just a single drop forever wipes away our every stain. And with its power, every chain that held us now lies at our feet. And we stand free, that's the beauty of the blood, the goodness of this grace. The mercy undeserved that can never be explained. Heaven's best takes all the scars for the worst in all of us. That's the glory of the cross, the wonder of his love. That's the beauty of the blood. I stand amazed by everything it does. That's the beauty of the blood, the goodness of this grace, the mercy undeserved that can never be explained. Heaven's best takes all the scars for the worst in all of us. That's the glory of the cross, the wonder of his love. That's the glory of the cross, the wonder of his love. That's the beauty of the blood, the beauty of the Amen. Well, we'll be reading 1 Corinthians today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, once we just go get straight to that, I guess, once you uh, find your place there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you go ahead and stand for the reading of uh, God's Word this morning, this afternoon now. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Um, we're just going to read one verse. 
It'll be a very well-known verse, but we'll go ahead and read it. It says in verse number 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse number 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Um, and I titled this message, In Case of Temptation, uh, Please Use the Nearest Exit. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this uh, day you've given us, Lord, in your house. And I just pray that you be with us, Lord, at this last service for the day, Lord. I just pray you give me the words to say, Lord. Thank you for the amazing reminders we've already heard today, Lord, of your love for us and sending Christ to die on the cross for us and the message this morning about loving one another, Lord, loving our neighbors. I just pray you be with us again today, Lord, as I'm finishing this off, Lord. Be, be with me, Lord. Calm my nerves and uh, just keep us safe the rest of the day. You're going to pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I've only flown a, a, a couple times. I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a big flyer. I just haven't had the um, opportunity to do so. Um, but I, I do remember some, some things that really stick out when I was flying, especially the first time I flew. I thought this was funny, a little interesting. I've always seen it in movies. I just didn't think it was real, but they do it. And as you sit down in your cramped seat there and you're getting to know your neighbors pretty well, uh, before they take off, the, the flight attendants, they, they kind of line up and uh, there's one in the front, maybe if it's a, if it's a bigger plane, there's one in the front, one towards the, the middle. Um, and they begin the, what, what they call it, like a safety briefing, you could say. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, this, this is something interesting. And, and uh, they bring up the example of the seat belts and they click it in and out just in case you've never known, you've never known how to use a seat belt a day in your life. Uh, they even bring out examples of, in, in case something happens, that, that the masks pop down from above you, how to use that and strap it to your face so you can breathe. And uh, a very important part, I guess, of the briefing is they, they point out to you where the nearest emergency exits are. And then they want you to pay attention to those emergency exits in case you ever have to use them. Uh, that way, in case for some reason you have to jump out of the airplane, uh, you know which exit to use, right? Uh, they, they want you to be aware of those. But... Um, it was just always something that really stuck out to me. You know, what, what am I going to need those for? Uh, and then obviously, as you hear, that there have been some plane wrecks. Uh, it's not a very common occurrence, but uh, there obviously has been some used for those emergency exits. Emergency exits. And that's going to be something that we deal with in a little bit today. It's kind of what we're talking about in our passage today. And this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 is a verse that, being honest with you, I was talking to Pastor this morning, um, I was really scared of preaching. And you say, why would you be scared of preaching? This? It's such an easy verse, and that's why. Well, what am I going to get up here and preach on a verse that's been preached on so many times? And I promise you, a lot of people in this room have this verse probably memorized already. You've recited this verse many times over to yourself. I know when I was getting serious about the things of God, uh, there was temptations that I would face in my life, and this was one of the first verses that I memorized to try and, and fight off that temptation, you could say. This was one of the first ones that I, I began to memorize. It's such a well-known passage, but I think that just kind of like um, Pastor has had me design some things, whenever I'm looking at my computer screen at the same word for hours on hours and hours, that word, the more I look at it, the, the less it makes sense to me. It, doesn't, it looks less and less like a word. And I think sometimes with, with, with passages in the Bible that are, that are so well-known and, and we use so often, it, it, can be, it can be the same thing where we look at it over and over again, and the more we look at it, the less it really begins to make sense to us. And I think it's, it's, it's important that at times we just take time to stop 
and kind of refresh and really take a good look at the truths found in these well-known passages because they're, they're filled with such amazing truths. And this, this will be one of them today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. In case of temptation, please use the nearest emergency exit. I know it's kind of a long title, but uh, it's what we have. So, <clears throat> um, Paul was obviously writing this to, to a group of believers, and we'll get to in a little bit what they were facing when Paul wrote this to them. But um, before we get into it, I think it's important that we, we, we nail down what this verse is talking about. Can anybody take a wild guess what this verse is talking about? Temptation, right? No, nothing too crazy. It's right there a couple times. This verse is talking about temptation. Now, why do I say that? Well, um, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that phrase a lot? And some of you, uh, you agree with that, and I don't mean to deflate you right now, because I've used that so many times a day in my, in my life as well. When I'm trying to encourage somebody, I say, God will not give you more than you can handle. Here's the thing about that, though. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I'm more willing to hear that. But that phrase, that it's never really found in the Bible. And in fact, the next book over, Paul talks about how, and I'll, I'll just read that for you, that portion, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. You don't have to turn there. It says that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The stuff that Paul was dealing with at this time, he said, it's above more than I can handle. Okay, so why did this happen? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises, raises the dead. Now, why am, I, why am I bringing this other passage up? Well, that phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, a lot of times gets um, brought out from this verse that we're reading today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But it's important to, to start on the same foot that this verse is not talking about trials. What this verse is talking about, it says it right there. It's talking about temptation. This verse is talking about temptation. In fact, Paul tells us that there is going to be stuff in your life, trials that God sends in your life, that is going to be more than you can handle. And he's going to send those in your life so that you can learn to rely on God more. That's not, our, that's not our message today, but I just want to make sure that we're on the same foot. This is not talking about trials. This is talking about what? Temptation. Super simple, right? Mind-blowing. Temptation. That's what we're talking about today. There's also another thing I want to... I want to bring up front, and it's a very important principle that I think a lot of Christians, um, myself included, uh, if we're not careful, we can let this thought really govern our life, and it really, it really ruins a lot of things, and that's this thought, okay? Don't ever fall for the lie that if you're facing temptation in your life, that it's a sin. Facing temptation in your life is not a sin. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil, and Jesus Christ still died perfect and sinless, paying the price on the cross for our sins. So if you're sitting in this room and you think to yourself, man, I'm facing this temptation over and over and over again, and sometimes I give in, sometimes I don't, but why does this temptation keep on coming into my life? I'm sick of it. I'm a terrible Christian. Just because you're facing temptation doesn't mean you're sinning. Just because you're facing temptation doesn't make you a terrible Christian. Facing temptation is part of the Christian life. Facing temptation is part of everyday life. It's, you can't avoid it. It's unavoidable. You're going to face temptation. So don't fall for the lie that Satan tries to feed you, telling you, man, look at this temptation. You just, you just keep on battling with this temptation. You're a filthy sinner. God can't use you. That's a lie from Satan. Christ himself faced temptation. So we know this verse is talking about temptation. And we're starting off on the foot that just because you face temptation doesn't make you a terrible Christian. 
Okay, it's not wrong to face temptation. Temptation. <clears throat> so what's the, what's the first truth that, that these readers would have gotten from this passage? Well, Paul tells us right here. And he starts off just right off the bat. And the first phrase he uses is so important because I think it, it dispels a lot of excuses, you could say, that many Christians made for themselves back then and are still making for themselves today. Verse 13 it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. He starts off by telling them, Hey, the temptation you face isn't unique to just you. You're not the only person who's ever faced the temptation. And it's important to remember that. It's important for the readers to realize that, and it's important for us to realize that. It seems that maybe some of these readers were facing the tendency to believe that the temptation that they were facing off with was somehow unique to just them, that nobody else was ever dealing with the same temptation they were dealing with. And this, this can help us in two different ways. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, man, you can take encouragement knowing that the, 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 the temptation you're going to face today, tomorrow, next week, guess what? You're not the only one who's dealt with it. And look around the room. You're not the only person who's dealing with it. The temptation you face, man, what an encouragement to know that I'm not in this alone. What an encouragement to know that the temptation to give into wrath, the temptation to lie, the temptation to be selfish, I'm not the only one who's dealing with that. In fact, there's people in the past who have dealt with it. Christ was probably tempted with it. There's people around the room who, have been, who are being tempted with the same thing that I'm being tempted with. What an encouragement to know I'm not alone. On the same thing, though, I guess you could say the other side of the coin is it can be kind of an indictment. And you say, what do you mean? Well, maybe it could have been that some of these readers, and I know it's true for me, Christians nowadays, I know because it's been true in my life, that we, 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 we look at a temptation that keeps on coming into our life, a temptation to, to sin, and it just seems to never end. And it, we, we fight it off for a day and it comes back the next day. We give in here and there and the more we fight, it seems like it comes back stronger and stronger. And, 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 you, look at your, and you look at your temptation, the situation you find yourself in, and you say, this is just too much for me to bear. Nobody else has to deal with this like I do. And yes, on one side it's an encouragement. On the other side it's an indictment saying this. No, it's nothing special. The temptation you're dealing with right now, others have faced off with. Others have been tempted with in their lives. And guess what? Some of them have found victory. So it should be an encouragement on one side. On the other side, it should be a challenge to tell you what? I'm not the only one who's faced this temptation. What have they done? Uh, what is it they have done to fight off this temptation? I I'm not the only one. That, that means I can't give in to the excuse saying, well, nobody else has the kids I have. You don't understand. The kids that I have, they misbehave like no one else. Of course I'm going to be angry and wrathful. No, 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 no. That temptation others have faced with. You don't understand. You don't live with my husband or my wife. No, no, no. Others have faced the same temptation. You don't understand. You don't know what they said about me. You don't know how they talk about me behind my back. No, no, no. Others have faced the same temptation. And yes, the time and the place might change, but once you, risk, once you rip the mask off, once you rip, once you rip, uh, rip the, the mask of time and place off, at the bottom of it, same temptation, whether it be anger, wrath, lust, selfishness. Let me tell you something. Don't, 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 don't believe, I guess, don't give yourself the excuse of saying, it's okay to give in to this sin because nobody else is facing what I'm facing. This situation is unique to me and nobody has dealt with this like I've dealt with it. So of course I'm going to give in. This is too hard. No. Paul is just right off the bat saying, 
You have no excuses. The temptation you're facing in your life, guess what? People have dealt with it for years, and there's people around you who are still dealing with it. How true is that? Do you know who the church in Corinth was? Do you know where they were living? They were living in Corinth, obviously, Corinthians. You know what was so crazy about this, the, the, the city of Corinth? They were such pagan idolatrous, uh, it was such a pagan idolatrous worshiping community. They had, they had pagan temples dedicated to their pagan gods where temple prostitution was the norm for them. It was encouraged. And this church was trying to be a beacon of light to, to, in a city where it seems like sexual perversion was trying to be shoved down their throat. Huh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And in fact, the book of Corinthians, Paul deals with so many different things, such as Christians thinking that they were better than other Christians because of their, because of their background. He deals with uh, Christians um, suing each other in court. He deals with Christians mistreating each other. And he even deals with Christians uh, engaging in, uh, in, in sexual impurity. The same problems they were dealing with in this book, guess what? It's the same temptations we have nowadays. So don't you ever fall for the lie saying, man, this situation you're in, It's unique to you. Nobody else has faced this temptation like you have. Of course you can't fight it. That's a lie from Satan. And Paul, right off the bat, starts strong saying, you know what? There's no excuses. Find encouragement in the fact that you're not alone, but also don't give yourself an excuse to give in to this temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Temptation seems to be passed down from generation to generation, right? We're always going to be faced with it. Until we leave this earth, temptation is going to be a part of our everyday lives. And it gets tiring at times. Temptation will never leave our lives. But something else also remains there. And this actually will go on even when we leave this earth. That's the next statement that Paul makes. Praise the Lord for this. It says, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. I remember when I was in college, freshman year. Man, I was an idiot freshman year. Um, I lived in, in Brown Dorm. I don't know if... It, they have pretty big rooms, pretty much. I think it was 12 guys in a room. Uh, it was kind of a big, sizable room, and it was a lot of us guys in there. The problem with that, though, freshman year, is I was in a room called, uh, the name of the room was 606. We were numbered. And we were so bad that they jokingly would call us 666. Because my room was just that bad. We misbehaved so much. It was terrible. It was mostly freshmen that were just, we weren't there for the right reasons. We were doing a lot of stupid stuff, so we'd, we'd break a lot of rules. I remember one of, the, one of the things that we would do a lot was we, we thought, you know, we were just being dumb, we, messing around. We started our, our own Heartland Fight Club. Um, so we'd, uh, we'd close the door, and you had, you, you had to be cool with us for us to let you in. And uh, once the door was closed, we put up a bunk up to the door so the RAs couldn't come into the room whenever they heard screaming or whatever it was. Um, and it, whenever it would start, usually be Friday nights or Saturday, whatever, whenever we had a longer curfew. Uh, we, we started this, this fight club. We thought we were the coolest, and we start fighting. I remember one time, uh, I'm obviously not a very tall guy, um, and I had some taller roommates. Um, one of his name, his name was Rafe, and he's about six foot two, a uh, pretty tall guy, and I started mouthing off, right? I started mouthing off to him, calling him names, making fun of him, calling him out for a fight. I could take you, whatever, and he had his friend. Rafe and I later became really close friends, but he had his homies, and I was calling them, I was calling them out and was messing with them, and I was pretty confident. Why? I mean, I could get in there and fight, but I also had my homies, too. Uh, they were going to back me up, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my, my hombres, mis amigos. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 
I was calling them out, and then eventually, it just started. They had enough, and the fight started. And, you know, it went from just uh, wrestling and, and fighting to things got a little heated because I was saying some stupid stuff. Uh, but I went in there confident. I said, well, let's do this, boys. And I, we run in there, and we're fighting. And uh, obviously, I get taken down right away because Rafe just put all his weight on me. He's twice my size. And I'm fighting. I'm trying to crawl around him. And then his friend is also punching me. Um, not too hard because he wasn't really mad yet. And, and I'm in there, and I'm fighting. And I'm, wait, I'm like, wait a minute. Why is this so hard? And I look behind me. And my friends that were supposed to be backing me up, they're just staring at me, <laughs> laughing. I'm saying, guys, I'm, I'm in the battle of my life, and I came into this battle thinking you were going to have my back. Like, what in the world? Like, what are you guys doing? They let me down. It, it, it was rough. But praise the Lord. Whenever we fight temptation, I'll let you guys stop laughing first. <laughs> I'll show you guys videos later. Whenever we face temptation, though, what does the Bible tell us? God isn't just going to sit back and watch you as you're trying to fight for your life. The Bible tells us God is faithful. And yes, that, that's a statement that we say a lot. God is love. God is merciful. God is faithful. But Paul is very specific here. God is faithful in the area of temptation. And, and why does he make this statement here? Man, God, the way God wrote the Bible is awesome. It's beautiful. So why would, why would he put, why would he put this, 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 this phrase here in this verse? Well, he starts off by telling you the, the, the temptations you're facing in life aren't unique to you. And he says, God is faithful. He wants you to understand. He wanted the readers to understand. He wants to remind us that moving forward, when you're facing this temptation, you have to rely on God. That God is the only one who can give you the strength, who can provide the victory for you to be able to stand against this temptation. Temptation is going to come into your life but God is faithful, and God is there to strengthen you and to give you the victory over that temptation in your life. <clears throat> and he won't stand there looking at you, laughing at you from the corner of a room. No, he's going to be there by your side, faithfully helping you through that temptation. <clears throat> um, I want to stop here and say this, too. I've, this, I didn't know when to include this thought, but I think it's important, and I think this would be a good, a good time. We understand that God is faithful and he'll give us the strength. He's the one that gives us the strength to fight temptation. There's times in my life that, I, well, let me, another example. Um, I used to work at a, a teacher supply store when I was in, in high school, before I went to college. Um, and eventually when I, when I got up enough, I guess in rank or whatever, they trusted me enough, there was times where I'd be closing uh, the store by myself with maybe an, another person. And it's funny because I would be counting money, a lot, a lot of money, and I'd take it over to the office. But you know what, Pastor? I was never once tempted to steal that money. I've been tempted and I've given in temptation in a lot of other areas during my teenage years, a lot of stupid, other, a lot of stupid areas during my teenage years. But when it came to that area of money, I was never really tempted to steal that money. And here's the problem. Many times I think that because I'm not tempted in the area of money, that I'm strong enough to fight temptation in another area of my life. And we'll take, we'll, 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 we'll kind of misconstrue in our mind that because I'm not tempted in this area, I'm obviously strong enough to stand temptation in this area. And that's when we fall for the lie saying, you're strong enough to face that temptation by yourself. And Paul, Paul's trying to remind us saying, no, you have no strength. 
You have no strength at all. God's the one that's faithful. God's the one who has to give you the victory over that temptation. So don't think that just because you don't struggle in a tem- in, for the, uh, uh, being tempted with lust or with greed or with selfishness that you're strong enough to face temptation in other areas of your life. No, don't forget the fact that God is the one who has to give you victory over that temptation in your life. You're not strong enough to do it. I wasn't strong enough to beat up those two other guys, and I needed the help of my friends. I'm not strong enough to face temptation that comes into my life. I need God who is faithful. I need his help and his strength. He reminds them that the the temptation they're facing isn't unique to them, and he reminds them that that God is faithful, and he wants them to remember that God is the one that they have to uh, gather their strength from. So what does this help look like? When God decides to help you through temptation, what does it look like? I know I'm not, I'm not getting some mind-blowing things here, but it's good to just stop and remember these things. Well, Paul tells the readers, and really God's telling us, that the way that God's going to help us during temptation is simply this. He's going to give us an emergency exit. He's going to always provide a way to escape it. And because God's faithful, you can also remember that any temptation you face in life, based on the promises of God, based on the faithfulness of God, there will always be an escape every single time. God promises that every single time. No matter how dark the temptation, no matter how hard it may seem to fight it, no matter how encompassing it is in your life, God promises an escape. There will always be an escape. He will always provide an escape. Here's the problem. Many times we're like, uh, how many remember Home Alone? Classic Christmas movie, right? I remember when he, he goes into his older brother Buzz's room, and he's sitting in there, and he's going through his stuff, or, or he's eating a, a lot of, uh, I don't know, what that crazy Sunday he makes. And what, what does he say when he goes into Buzz's room and he's eating that Sunday? Buzz, I'm in your room. You better come stop me. Mom, I'm eating junk. You better come stop me. And many Christians, they're, they're facing this temptation head on, and many times, uh, we, we take the promises of God and we say, God, I'm struggling. You better come stop me. Here's the thing. God provides a way of escape, but God doesn't force that way of escape on us. This is where it switches more to us. He won't force the escape on us. <clears throat> but there's something, that, that, that I, I, thinking about this and how to apply it to my life and how to apply it today, uh, there, was, there was, I guess you could say, two steps to this escape. Okay, remember we talked in the beginning, uh, you're sitting there and, the, and, and the, the hostess are telling you, uh, here's, they do like the weird clapy thing and then the, the mouth, I, I really, I looked up a video to try and recreate it, but it was so much information I couldn't do it. So I'm just kind of winging it now. But the last thing they do is they point out the exits, right? And they, I, they do this thing with their fingers. I, I, did remember, I get that down, okay? Now imagine with me, imagination caps, here we go, we're going on a trip. Get on an airplane, you're by yourself. You're not, you're not traveling with your family or anybody, just you and a bunch of strangers, and you go through the whole safety briefing. And uh, the hostess told you that there's the emergency exits in case you need them. And you're just, you're just going along your trip, and all of a sudden, uh, you look out the right side, and you think, somebody making barbecue? No, it's one of the engines. It's on fire. And you, you hear a lot of rumbling. And then you, free, you look to the left, and the, the passengers on the left side of the plane are freaking out because, guess what? The engine on their side of the plane is also on fire. Uh, it seems somehow all the engines have gone out simultaneously, okay? Uh, you're going down. You're freaking out. 
And then the, the masks pop off, and as you start to decline, the, the, the pilot hops on the intercom, and he says, okay, everybody, buckle up. Uh, we're we're going to have to do a crash landing. And the, the hosts are trying to help you, and you put on your mask, and you buckle up. And then uh, I've watched too many movies, so this is what I'm imagining. Uh, you, you're over the ocean, and, and you hit the ocean, and everything goes black. I've watched way too many movies. I don't know that's how it is, okay? And then you come to. And it's a little hazy. There's a little ringing, but then you come to, and you look around. And you unbuckle yourself, and, and you see you're still in the plane, and you're alive. You just don't know where you're at. And you start looking down, and you start realizing that the plane is, is filling with water pretty rapidly. Okay, You've unbuckled yourself, you've taken off your mask, and, and you notice that the plane is filling up with water. Uh, what's your next course of action? Find an exit. So what do you do? You, you try to orient yourself, and you look around for an exit. Why would you do that? Because you, you want to use the exits that the hostess told you were going to be there. Temptation's the same way. You're going to be faced with temptation. As you're sitting there being tempted every day, and it feels like it's just filling up your life, and it gets higher and higher and higher, God says, stop, look around. I told you there was going to be an exit. Look for the exit. And I feel like many times, at least when I was just really far away from the Lord, and I was giving into temptation over and over and over again, it seems like I've given in so much that this temptation, this sin, has, over, has overcome me, and, and I look around, and I just, I can't, I can't look around for the exits. But God's trying to remind us, saying this, stop. We have to learn to look for those exits. Look for those escapes. Because there's many times that as I'm being tempted, I don't even look for the escapes. That's where a lot of Christians are nowadays where they're tempted to do something, they're tempted to sin against the Lord, and instead of looking for the, the, for, the, for the escape, for the exit, they just give in right away. We need to learn to do what? To look up and look for the escapes that God's given. You say, what does that look like? I'm getting super practical here. Practical here. I need practical things in my life. Okay, what does that look like? Well, hey, this conversation is, is turning more into backbiting and gossiping. I'm just going to go ahead and head out. Hey, man, I'm being tempted to look up things I shouldn't, I'm just going to shut this computer or my phone off. Man, this song is, is, is pretty filthy song. I'm just going to turn this song off. You know what's even better? I'm going to put up some precautions on my computer, on my cell phone. Way of escape. You know what? This person at work is flirting with me in a way that I shouldn't. I'm a married man. I'm going to excuse myself from the situation altogether. Way of escape. You know what? These friends, oh, we're talking about doing some really stupid stuff. I, I, I'm going to get away from this conversation. I'm going to stay away from these friends way of escape. Many times, we've given, we've given into temptation so much, and we think the temptation is just too great for us, that we forget to just look around for the escape. And here comes the part two of that, you know? You're, you're in the plane that's filling up with water, and you found the escapes. What do you do now? You go to the escape. Simple as that. And yes, we, we know what to do. We, we know that God's given us an escape. And here comes the final step as you take the escape. You've you got to do those things. It takes action on your part. And God said, I'm going to provide a way to escape. I'm going to be faithful in that area. I promise there will be a way for you to escape. But you have to take the action to take it. And I don't know which area of this verse you're struggling with. Maybe there's some in this room who are saying, the temptation I face is so much harder than anybody else has ever faced in, my li in their lives. No. God says it's common to man. Christ has dealt with it. People in the past have dealt with it. And people around the room are dealing with it. Or maybe you're saying this. 
Maybe you're saying this, it seems like I'm facing this alone. God says, no, I'm faithful. I'm going to give you the victory over this. I will provide you the strength you need to overcome this temptation. Or maybe you say this, I just, I just don't know what to do. It's, it's overcoming. It's, it, it's too strong for me. Well, stop. Look around. Look for those escapes that God has faithfully placed in your lives. He's promised to put an escape there. You need to look for it. And when you find that escape, you need to take it. Here's the thing, is that many times, especially Christians, it's sad. They'll be so good in so many areas of their life, but this one area that just seems to overtake them over and over again, they just seem, I can't fight this temptation, it's too strong. And we just stop fighting altogether. And sometimes it's good to just look at passages like this and, and, and remember that God has promised victory. God has promised an escape. And we as Christians need to learn to look for those escapes and take those escapes. This world's getting worse and worse and worse, and it's not getting any better. And I tell you what's not going to make it better at all. In fact, it'll make it go worse faster probably. is Christians who don't know how to fight temptation. It's sad. So many Christians give into so many temptation every day. And God's saying, I've provided you the victory. You just need to take it. I know it wasn't a deep message, but I know it was something that the Lord's trying to remind me in my life. And I know it's something that, like I said, you look at something over and over again and it loses meaning. It's good to remember that we're not alone in this. And that God will provide victory over this if we look for it and if we take that escape. So in case of temptation, use the emergency exit. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day, Lord, and thank you for the chance you've given us to meet here, Lord. I just pray that this helps a, to, as a reminder, Lord, for some to uh, maybe an encouragement that they're not alone in this, Lord, that the temptations they face in life are not unique to them, Lord. I pray you help every believer in this room to to commit, Lord, to looking for those escapes you've given us, to look for that victory you've provided for us in our lives, and help us, Lord, to take the action required to fight that temptation, Lord, to, to get away from that completely. I just pray you work in hearts the way you see fit, Lord. Keep us safe the rest of the day. You're going to pray, amen. Uh, you may stand as Brother Foster is going to lead us in a song. Jay is, never mind. <clears throat> um, maybe there's some areas in your life, temptation, that seems to just be too strong. Take it to the Lord. He's provided victory. You just have to see it and take it. Maybe there's some things that you've stopped fighting altogether. Ask God to help you keep on fighting that fight.
Just a couple points of interest here before we're dismissed. We have the couples retreat coming up. Uh, there's, two, there's two available dates for that, February 15th to the 16th or 16th to the 17th. So you can go Thursday to Friday or Friday to Saturday. Uh, there'll be a sign-up sheet in the back, but you do have to register for yourself. Uh, there'll be a ladies' meeting February 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, we have a teen activity at Urban Air on the 23rd of February. Um, info, info is right there. We have a missions conference coming up. Excited for that. That'll be February 28th through March 3rd. And then finally, we have college days, uh, March 20th through the 22nd. If any parents have questions on that, you can go ahead and see me and I can give you any more info on that. Uh, it's been a good day in the Lord's house today. Uh, Brother Chris, mind dismissing us in prayer?